Hello, and welcome to Know Better with Amanda. My name is Amanda Sports, and I will be the host of this podcast. I'm currently 19 years old. It is December 22nd, 2021, and I turn 20 years old on the 24th in two days, which is exciting, intimidating, and confusing, and I'll get into all of that soon. I'm recording this from my childhood bedroom, and it's a little bit funny to call it my childhood bedroom because it's the only bedroom I've ever had other than my first four years of life when I shared a bedroom with my brother and sister, and I'm calling it my childhood bedroom because I'm currently in college. I'm a sophomore in college at Wesleyan University in Middletown, Connecticut. And I have my own dorm room there, which I do consider to be the bedroom of my young adult life. It's pretty intimidating to start this podcast for many reasons. One, and probably not the most important reason, but no one, nobody, not a soul, likes the sound of their own voice, including myself. And I'm sure I will look back to this episode and cringe at the cadence and intonation and level at which I'm speaking right now, but that's all part of the process. Another reason why starting this podcast is intimidating is the fear of judgment and the subsequent shame that comes from said judgment. Putting out any sort of creative work is intimidating and in the case of this podcast i'm letting people in to my internal dialogue my thoughts my fears what i'm excited about what i'm thinking about and that's kind of the only thing we have independent of other people i also know that the only way to feel a little less alone in this human experience is to share what's going on in the inside. On the subject of what's going on on the inside, I consider myself to be a pretty introverted person. I call myself an extroverted introvert, which is another way of saying I'm always thinking something. I have no issue with my own company. In fact, I almost always prefer to be in my own company than surrounded by many people. Of course, there are exceptions. There becomes a point when relying on, solely relying on your internal dialogue becomes a little bit dangerous. We definitely need other people to survive, to connect, and to keep ourselves sane. I am noticing that the sound of... This microphone is so goddamn sensitive. The sound of just my tongue moving, I feel like, is picked up. And that is... Like, I can hear I can hear it. I can hear it. And I'm sorry. But I don't really see a way of avoiding it right now. So, stay tuned if you please. If I were to look on the bright side of this microphone picking up every possible sound made 
it's that my goal of this podcast is to be transparent. I'm naming this series Know Better with Manda because one of my favorite quotes by the activist, author, and icon Maya Angelou is, do the best you can until you know better, then when you know better, do better. And I think that as a young person and for the rest of my life, I'll be in the process of knowing better and doing better. One of the only ways that I found to be effective in changing my behavior has been speaking on it, talking about it, acknowledging it, owning it, and then that awareness creates a certain consciousness to be different and to improve upon myself. I don't think there's a right way for me to introduce myself or tell my story, so I'm just going to do my best. Can you hear the car outside? Okay, now I know the answer is yes, you can hear the car outside, but I also don't really think it matters, so I'll get back on track about telling my life story. Not really, kind of. As I said earlier, I'm about to turn 20 years old, and I thought what better time to chronicle my thoughts and experiences. The teenage years are all about learning, and there's not a doubt in my mind that my 20s will also be all about learning, but I do know that I've created an extremely strong foundation in understanding my emotions and thoughts and how they affect everyday experiences. For a very long time, from the time that I can remember, about like 10 years old, wanted to create a project that reflects who I am and how I see the world. I remember telling my dad at 10 years old that I wanted to name my book The Power of Contrast because from a very young age, I have been acutely aware of how anxiety and difficulties with mental health so drastically affect our capability of seeing the positive parts of our lives and vice versa. I, for one, have certainly been blinded by very positive feelings and experiences and avoided the hard parts of life. And being blinded to the hard parts of life is just as bad as being blinded to the positive parts of life. That is for certain. I don't want to beat around the bush when it comes down to the positive or the negative experiences. I think that the most powerful media is media that makes people feel less alone. And I never feel less alone by content that is sunshine happy all the time. Because that is not reality and that is not my life. I know this isn't a hot take. We all know that social media is fake and that it's a highlight reel, etc, etc. I also know that even while we know this, it is quite rare for a person to more accurately depict what life is really like. Over the past couple, more like four years, I have tried to be more honest about 
the hard parts of life on social media or publicly in everyday conversation. This change in authenticity did not come out of nowhere or happen overnight. During the first semester of my sophomore year in high school, when I was 15, about to turn 16, I took a big fall. At this point, for about four years, I had been struggling with severe depression, and I don't say that lightly. There were many times in middle school when my parents would sleep in my bed holding on to me because they were scared for my safety. Keep in mind, this experience that I'm talking about was about eight years ago, and it's still hard for me to address it. It is easier for me to have shame about who I was at 12 years old than have compassion for this version of myself. A child who was struggling with extremely dark and scary thoughts. Fast forward to the end of my eighth grade year. At this point, my parents and I made the decision to change schools. The plan was for me to go to this all-girls school from seventh grade to my senior year of high school, and it was just obvious that this place was not healthy for me anymore. So I'm at this new school, and I've started ninth grade, and unsurprisingly, I wound up having the same dark thoughts, I'll name it, the same suicidal thoughts that I was having in middle school, but worse. There is a difference between ideation and a course of action, and in the end of my ninth grade year, I made an attempt on my life and wound up in the hospital. Then, less than a year later, at the end of my first semester of sophomore year in November of 2017, I did the same thing and wound up in the hospital. It is obvious that no suicide attempt is casual, and at the same time, this second experience in the hospital was about as scary and dangerous as it gets when it comes down to almost losing your life at the hands of yourself. I've thought quite a bit about whether or not it's appropriate to share this story, and of course there are so many details missing, but I've come to the conclusion that one of the only reasons why I would not share my experience is to be perceived as someone that I'm not. And the reality is, this is my story, and living in denial of this being my story and a part of my life will only promote feelings of shame and secrecy, which are the same feelings that helped lead me to that very dark and difficult place four years ago. After my time in the hospital, I was sent to a treatment center, an inpatient treatment center, which basically means you live in a home or a facility. In my case, it was a home where teenagers are working on improving their mental health 24-7 for a few months. Being in treatment 
at the age of 15 and 16 because I came in, um, I'd say like a month before my 16th birthday, was the scariest and most brave thing that I've ever done. The things I learned saved my life. My time there was an uphill journey and it certainly was not only smooth sailing. At the beginning of my stay, I was extremely stubborn about leaving and not needing the help that was being provided to me. Things really took a turn when one of my counselors at this treatment center recommended that I read an author named Brene Brown's work. This counselor that recommended Brene's work told me, Amanda, I think you have an extreme issue with being vulnerable. And I said, well, yeah, I have an extreme issue with being vulnerable. I associated, and I told him this, the word vulnerability with being susceptible to attack. And to an extent, this is true, but there is also no way of improving our lives without being vulnerable about the hard stuff. The reason that it was such a game changer when this counselor recommended Brene Brown's work was because I was extremely unwilling to listen to those around me telling me certain truths about accountability, vulnerability, and taking control over your own well-being. But when I read Brene Brown's words, I was hearing myself tell myself these important truths. I think I read almost all of her books while I was in treatment, and I just didn't put them down. I devoured them. And devoured is really the right word because while I did not eat the books, every page was marked with highlight and notes. It honestly looked kind of gross. Taking it back to why I'm sharing this story, Brene Brown, who is a researcher and professor, wrote that owning our story and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing we will ever do. She says that you either walk inside your story and own it or stand outside your story and hustle for your worthiness. That line about hustling for your worthiness really resonated with me at this time and still does. I was only 15 and 16, but I felt out of breath from trying to be someone I was not and trying to convince the world that I was fine or that there weren't issues going on within. I'm proud to say that the past four years I have been sober or whatever you want to call it from the unhealthy ways and actions that were going on in my life from the age of 11 to 16. In treatment, there's an idea or a saying that the real work on oneself does not happen within the walls of a treatment center, that the real work is applying the things that we've learned in treatment, outside of treatment, in the same place where we were struggling the most. And to summarize my last four years, I've definitely been working on applying the 
healthy habits and different ways of thinking and coping in my everyday life. And I will say that my relationship with myself, my parents, other people, my relationship to everything has been improved because of the way I've learned to think about taking control of my own mental health. I still struggle with a lot of the same stuff I struggled with when I was 11 and when I was 14 and when I was 15 and 16, but the big difference is how I frame and handle those struggles. There was a long period of time where I just didn't have the vocabulary to talk about how I was feeling. I definitely did not know what anxiety meant in elementary school. My anxiety just felt paralyzing and lonely and I didn't even have the word to describe it. And in middle school, I think anxiety was synonymous with being stressed. And in high school, I knew that I had an anxiety disorder, but I didn't have the insight or understanding to know that my anxious thoughts were not the truth. I've also come to the understanding that depression will probably always be a part of my life. I heard Seinfeld talk about how depression is kind of part of the kit that comes with being a creative person, and I definitely appreciated that. He said that he heard that when he was young and that it really helped him, and then I listened to him say it, and it's really helped me. While my struggles with mental health have at times been extraordinarily painful, they've also been the birthplace of so much incredible connection with other people. And I wouldn't trade that connection for anything. Relating to other people is what makes me happy to be alive. And this podcast, I hope, is a way of continuing to do that. I know this episode I've talked in a lot of broad terms, but my hope is with each episode to come, I dive into more specific topics, whether that be friendships and relationships coming and going, or talking and joking with someone important to me about advice that transformed their life. I'm finishing up the recording of this episode, and it is officially my birthday, December 24th, 2021. I always hesitate with the date, and we're almost done with 2021, which is wild. But I was talking to my friend Courtney today, and I just said the obvious truth that so much has changed in the past two years for both of us, but that my life is 100 times more beautiful than it was at the beginning of 2020. I've made so many new friends from all over the world in college and read books that have deeply touched my soul. I'm enrolled at a university where I'm studying what I'm passionate about in an open curriculum. I get to take psychology classes and photography classes and dance classes, things that would normally intimidate me, but I'm in the same boat as so many other young people who are passionate about growing. Just in the past year, I've created two small books. I wrote a children's book and illustrated it, and I wrote a book for my memoir class, which provided me with a lot of healing and insight about my past. This time last year, I hadn't even met one of my dearest friends today, Carla, my college roommate who continued to encourage me to record this podcast. There's something so meaningful about when a person is really encouraging you to do something that you love with no other purpose but wanting their friend to be happy, successful, and fulfilled. 
Thank you, Carla, from the bottom of my heart for pushing me to make this series. I know that this is the start to something even greater. And I will say that while I've been recording this, my mind and body have been telling me that it would be so much easier if I did not do this or if I did not share my story. Like I mentioned at the beginning, there is this fear of judgment and criticism, but as my friend Kate pointed out, why would I want to please people or that little critic in my head who are not supportive of me speaking my truth? I know that there are lots of places that I can improve, both in this podcast and my real life. For one, I consider myself to be a pretty silly and expressive person, and I'm not really sure that I conveyed that in this episode. I certainly hope to show that part of me more in the episodes to come. But right now, all I have to say is that I'm extremely grateful if anyone listened this far or listened at all. I thank you for taking the time to get to know me. I believe that the best is yet to come. I'm only 20 years old. I've lived a lot of beautiful life, and I'm excited to be and know better in the future. To end this episode, I'm going to read something that I wrote on December 29th, 2019, leading into the year 2020, I think it is still applicable. I actually know that it is. Here it goes. I think my greatest lesson this year was that of patience, finding that most feelings are short-lived. I learned that the most reliable part of life is that it will change all of the time. There has been comfort and anxiety in this lesson, Comfort in knowing that the times when everything seems wrong are not everlasting. Anxiety in knowing that my most blissful moments are fleeting. I realize that, even though change is inevitable, I can choose to try to make certain parts of my life as constant and plentiful as possible. Love. Gratitude. Forgiveness. Open-mindedness. Good friends. Family. Beautiful music. And meditation. Once again, I saw that my outlook is far more powerful than many negative circumstances, that when I choose to see goodness in people despite their hurtful actions, I'm freed of a lot of resentment and a lot of anger. Goodness doesn't have to mean appreciation of their presence, but the benefit of the doubt that most human actions are rooted in the innocent motive to find some sort of sense of belonging that the discharging of pain or discomfort still falls into the category of trying to find belonging. I stop taking a lot of things personally. Any glares, smirks, or eye rolls have more to do with the bitter person's own insecurity than anyone on the receiving end. I validated that my worth is independent of what another person believes about me. I saw that, unfortunately, some scared people misinterpret treating yourself with importance and being confident as being conceited. I was very accountable, but I also stopped apologizing when my boundaries made others upset. It felt good to learn that emotional pain can frequently be softened by a hot shower and untangled hair. Reflecting back on this year, I've realized that for every one thing that I wish were different, there are 10 times more things to be grateful for. Okay, that is all. Thank you for listening to Know Better with Amanda. Cheers to many more episodes in my 20-somethings.